Chapter Forty Three of Arema. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Dodge. Arema by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter Forty Three. Going to the Bottom. It is not needful to explain everything any more than it was for me to tell the miller about my golden eagle and how i managed to lose it in the moon a trick of which now i was heartily ashamed in the face of honest kindness so i need not tell how master withypool managed to settle with his men and to keep the boys unwitting of what was about to come to pass enough that i got a note from him to tell me that the little river would be run out just when all Shoxford was intent upon its dinner on the second day after I had seen him. And he could not say for certain, but he thought it pretty safe, that nobody would come near me if I managed to be there a quarter before one, when the stream would begin to run dry, and I could watch it. I sent back a line by the pretty little girl, a sister of poor Polly, to say how much I thanked him and how much I hoped that he himself would meet me there, if his time allowed, for he had been too delicate to say a word of that. But I felt that he had a good right to be there, and knowing him now, I was not afraid. Nearly everything came about as well as could be wished almost. Master Withypool took the precaution early in the morning to set his great fierce bull at large, who had always stopped the footpath. This bull knew well the powers of a valley in conducting sound, and he loved to stand, as if at the mouth of a funnel, and roar down it to another bull a mile below him, belonging to his master's brother-in-law. And when he did this, there was scarcely a boy, much less a man or woman, with any desire to assert against him the public right of thoroughfare. Throughout that forenoon, then, this bull bellowed nobly, still finding very many wicked flies about, so that the two mitching boys who meant to fish for minnows with a pin were obliged to run away again. However, I was in the dark about him, and as much afraid of him as anybody, when he broke into sight of me round a corner without any tokens of amity. I had seen a great many great bulls before including Uncle Sam's good black one, who might not have meant any mischief at all, and atone for it, if he did, by being washed away so. And therefore my courage soon returned, when it became quite clear that this animal now had been fastened by a rope, and could come no nearer. For some little time, then, I waited all alone, as near that bridge as I could bring myself to stand, for Mrs. Busk, my landlady, could not leave the house yet on account of the midday letters. Moreover, she thought that she had better stay away, as our object was to do things as quietly as could be. Much as I had watched this bridge from a distance, or from my sheltering place, I had never been able to bring myself to make any kind of sketch of it, or even to insert it in a landscape although it was very well suited and expressive from its crooked and antique simplicity. 
the overhanging also of the hawthorn tree not ruddy yet but russety with its coloring crop of coral and the shaggy freaks of ivy above the twisted trunk and the curve of the meadows and the bold elbow of the brook were such as an artist would have pitched his tent for and tantalized poor london people with a dream of cool repose as yet the little river showed no signs of doing what the rustic or surely it should have been the cockney was supposed to stand still and wait for there was no great rush of headlong water for that is not the manner of the stream in the very worst of weather but there was the usual style of coming on with lips and steps at the sides and cords of running toward the middle quite enough at any rate to make the trout jump without any omen of impending drought and to keep all the play and the sway of movement going on serenely i began to be afraid that the miller must have failed in his stratagem against the water god and that as i had read in pope's homer the liquid deity would beat the hero when all of a sudden there were signs that the man was the master of this little rustic broadswords of flag and rapiers of water-grass which had been quivering merrily began to hang down and to dip themselves in loops and the stones of the brink showed dark green stripes on their sides as they stood naked then fine little cakes of conglomerated stuff which only a great man of nature could describe came floating about and curdling into corners and holding on to one another in long-tailed strings but they might do what they liked and make their very best of it as they fell away to nothing upon stones and mud for now more important things began to open the like of which had never been yielded up before plots of slimy gravel varied with long streaks of yellow mud dotted with large double shells and parted into little oozy runs by wriggling water-weeds and here was great commotion and sad panic of the fish large fellows splashing and quite jumping out of the water as their favorite hovers and shelves ran dry and darting away with their poor little backs in the air to the deepest hole they could think of hundreds must have come to flour lard and butter if boys had been there to take advantage but luckily things had been done so well that boys were now in their least injurious moment destroying nothing worse than their own dinners a very little way below the old wooden bridge the little river ran into a deepish pool as generally happens at or near a corner especially where there is a confluence sometimes and seeing nothing as i began to search intently stirring with a long-handled spud which i had brought i concluded that even my golden eagle had been carried into that deep place however water or no water i resolved to have it out with that dark pool as soon as the rest of the channel should be drained which took a tormenting time to do and having thick boots on i pinned up my skirts and jumping down into the shoals i began to paddle in a fashion which reminded me of childish days that passed pleasantly in the blue river 
Too busy this to give a thought to any other thing, I did not even see the miller until he said, "'Good day, miss,' lifting his hat with a nice, kind smile. "'Very busy, miss, I see, and right you are to be so. The water will be upon us again in less than half an hour. Now let me clear away the black weeds for you. I brought this little shrivel a purpose. If I may make so bold, miss, what do we look to find here?' I have not the very smallest notion, I could only answer. But if there is anything, it must be in that hole. I have searched all the shallow parts so closely that I doubt whether even a sixpence to it could escape me, unless it were buried in the mud or pebbles. Oh, how can I manage to search that hole? There must be a yard of water there. One thing I ought to have told thee for to do. Master Withypool whispered as he went on shoveling, to do what the boys do when they lose a farden, to send another one after him. If so be now, afore the water was run out, you'd stood on that there bridge and dropped a bright coin onto it, a new half-crown or a two-shilling piece. Why, the chances would be that the run of the current would a take it nigh to the likeliest spot for holding the other little matter as might a dropped permiscus, you might say, into this same water. I have done so, I answered. I have done that very thing, though not at all with that object. The day before yesterday, a beautiful coin, a golden eagle of America, fell from my pocket on that upper plank and rolled into the water. I would not lose it for a great deal, because it was given to me by my dearest friend, the greatest of all millers. And han't you found it yet, miss? Well, that is queer. Perhaps we shall find it now with something the back of it. I thought you hole was too far below the bridge. But there your gold must be, and something else, most likely. Play is to wait a little bit, and us'n'll have the wet out of em. I never should have thought of that but for your gold guinea, though. With these words, Master Withypool pulled his coat off and rolled up his shirt sleeves, displaying arms fit to hold their own, even with Uncle Sam's almost. And then he fell to with his shovel and dug while I ran with my little spud to help. Plies to keep out of the way, miss, I feared a knockin' you. Not but what you works very brave indeed, miss knowing what men are concerning female efforts i got out of the strong man's way although there was plenty of room for me what he wanted to do was plain enough to dig a trench down the empty bed of the moon river deep enough to drain that pit before the stream came down again never thought to run a race against my own old dam he said as he stopped for a moment to recover breath us never knows what us might have to do Old Dam must be almost bustin' now, but her sound enough, till her beginneth to run over. I did not say a word, because it might have done some mischief, but I could not help looking rather anxiously upstream, for fear of the water coming down with a rush, as it very soon must do. Master Withypool had been working, not as myself would have done, from the lips of the dark pit downward, but from a steep run some twenty yards below, where there was almost a little cascade when the river was full flowing. From this he had made his channel upward, cutting deeper as he came along, till now, 
at the brink of the obstinate pool his trench was two feet deep almost i had no idea that any man could work so with a shovel which seems such a clumsy tool compared with a spade but a gentleman who knows the country and the people told me that with their native weapon moonites will do as much digging in an hour as other folk get through in an hour and a half with a spade but this may be only perhaps because they are working harder now said master withypool at last standing up with a very red face and desiring to keep all that unheeded now miss to you it belongeth to tap this here little corner if desirable plays to excuse me of going up the bank to tell ee when the wet cometh down again oh please to do nothing of the sort i answered knowing that he had offered to stand out of sight from a delicate dread of intrusion please to tap the pool yourself and stay here as witness of what we find in it as you plies miss as you plies not a moment for to lose in arguin hearken now the water is at stoppin of our dam her will be here in five minutes with three or four rapid turns of his shovel which he spun almost as fast as the housemaid spins a mop he fetched out the plug of earth severing his channel from the deep reluctant hole and then i saw the wisdom of his way of working for if he had dug downward from the pool itself the water would have followed him all the way and even drowned his tool out of its own strokes whereas now with a swirl and a curl of ropey mud away rushed the thick sluggish obstinate fluid and in less than two minutes the hole was almost dry the first thing i saw was my golden eagle lodged about halfway down the slope on a crust of black sludge from which i caught it up and presented it to master withypool as a small token and record of his kindness and to this day he carries it upon his sunday watch-chain i am always lucky in finding things i exclaimed while he watched me and the upstream too whence a babble of water was approaching as sure as i live i have found it no doubt about your living miss and the captain were always lively but what have your bright eyes hit upon i see nort for the life of me look here i cried at the very bottom of it almost under the water here where i put my spud a bright blue line oh can i go down or is it quicksand no quicksand in our little river miss but your father's daughter shall not go into the muck while john withypool stands by i see en now sure enough now i see en but her needeth care or her may all goo away in mullock well i thought my eyes was sharp enough but i'm blessed if i should have spied that though a bit of flint maybe or a blue glass bottle anyhow us will see the bottom of em he was wasting no time while he spoke but working steadfastly for his purpose fixing the blade of his shovel below the little blue line i was peering at so that no slip of the soft yellow slush should bury it down and plunge over it if that had once happened good-bye to all chance of ever beholding this thing again for the river was coming with fury and foam to assert its ancient right-of-way with a short laugh the miller jumped down into the pit me to be served so by my own mill-stream lor if i don't pay you out for this his righteous wrath failed to stop the water from pouring into the pit behind him and as strong as he was he nearly lost his footing having only mud to stand upon 
It seemed to me that he was going to be drowned, and I offered him the handle of my spud to help him. But he stopped where he was, and was not going to be hurried. I got him now, he said. Now I don't mind coming out. You see, if I don't pay you out for this. Why, I always took you for a reasonable animal. He shook his fist strongly at the river, which had him well up to the middle by this time, and then he disdainfully waded out, with wrath in all of his countenance. "'I've a great mind to stop there and see what her would do,' he said to me, forgetting altogether what he went for. "'And I would, if I'd had my dinner, a scant of a thing as I can manage with my thumb. Ah, you have made a bad day of it.' "'But what have you found, Mr. Withypool?' I asked, for I could not enter into his wrath against the water, wet as he was to the shoulders. "'You have something in your hand. May I see it, if you please? And then do please to go home and change your clothes.' "'A thing I never did in my life, miss, and should be ashamed to begin at this age. Clothes get wet and clothes dries on us.' same as undid on the sheep before us, else they get stiff and creasy. What this little thing is ne'er a body may tell, in my line of life, but looketh aristocratic. The mullock, as he called it, from his hands, and from the bed where it had lain so long, so crusted the little thing which he gave me, that I dipped it again in the swelling stream and rubbed it with both hands to make out what it was. And then I thought how long it had lain there, and suddenly to my memory it came, that in all likelihood the time of that was nineteen years this very day. "'Will another year pass?' I cried. "'Before I make out all about it, what are you, and who, now looking at me with such sad, sad eyes?' For I held in my hand a most handsome locket, of blue enamel and diamonds, with a back of chased gold, and in front the miniature of a beautiful young woman, done as they never seemed to do them now. The work was so good, and the fitting so close, that no drop of water had entered, and the face shone through the crystal glass, as fresh as the day it was painted. A very lovely face it was, yet touched with a shade of sadness, as the loveliest faces generally are, and the first thought of any beholder would be, that woman was born for sorrow. The miller said as much when I showed it to him, Lord bless my heart, I hope the poor creature hadn't lasted half as long as her picture hath. End of chapter 43